uh, we need a intro. Three guys you've never heard of. Hope that you make copies of this entire podcast and staple it together to read <laughs> later. Three guys you never heard of learn to punch with their feet and kick with their fists. I, I do, guys. We're three guys you never heard of. Um, we're weird. We get beards. No, guys. It's okay. Hey, we're hey everyone watching. We're three guys you've never heard of. Uh, we're the podcast that uh, has beards and gets weird and talks about movies. Um, yeah subjective definitions for all three of those aspects okay i'm scott he has the worst i'm uh i'm david i'm duran man and we're uh you've heard of us now so ignore the name yeah but continue the name is now just crap but continue listening it's crap bag oh what i want to know i I was thinking about this and i want to do one of two things for our, our intro um either one on a scale of one to ten how masculine would you define yourself how do you identify Mm. or which belt do you feel like in what context the movie's context oh like understanding of the movie uh oh that's a good point um no 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 no. Uh, yeah like are you asking my skill in karate in karate because i have that question right now no 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 your skill in uh being a man in 2019 Mm. Mm. in with a belt with a Huh. We can go one of either way. I, I don't know which way you guys want it. Masculinity right. one to ten, or guys, this is going to get super personal and down pressing. Just a heads up. Oh, oh I no. already know it. No. <laughs> uh, okay, I think that's a good conversation. Let's go with Scott first because you had these in the back of your mind. Yeah, yeah that's Scott. Um, I think that my internal uh, self reflection of my masculinity would be like at a five or six, like middle of the road. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, but I think the external perception might be higher than that, which I always feel weird about. Yeah. Like, I, I remember as, like, a, a kid, my cousin would always be like, oh, we can go there because you're with us. And it's like, I don't, like, implying that, like, I could physically intimidate someone. And I always hated that. It's like, I don't want to be, that's not, mm. uh, like, I, I relate a lot more with, uh, with with Casey at the beginning of the movie than I do with Casey at the end of the movie. Gotcha. Well, not necessarily is anyway. Yeah, we can get into it right. You can verbally intimidate people. Yeah, I do have a loud voice because you have well a deep loud voice and high command of language. True. A terrifying combination. Yeah, I think you said my command of language is terrifying. It's like oh that it is anyway. So I, I feel as I'm pretty right in the middle. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever tried to duel with you verbally over the merits of Aquaman? It's quite difficult. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I should try some. Yeah, you should. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, All right, Duran, since you suggested Scott goes first, you can go second. Oh, okay. I am fine with this. Um, okay, I'll stick with the way that Scott did this. I would say my masculinity, internally, how I feel about it, is... Like a six, maybe a seven, somewhere mm-hmm. in there, six point five. Um, and my, I think on the outside it's higher um, than that. I think people view me as more masculine than I really am, and I think a big reason for that is 
my like interests and mm-hmm. stuff. I would say that I like Scott. I've had people around me through my life think that because of the way that I come across that I am going to be like more intimidating or more physical or more brash than I really am. Um, But in reality, like if I was ever in a situation where there were physical altercations, (laughs) just, just a moment. We had Marty join us. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that people assume that I'm going to be a more intimidating person than I really am. But on the inside, yeah, if I was ever in a situation where there were like physical altercations, I would not want to be involved. Um, and a lot of my hobbies and, t- and interests are not based in masculinity, I feel. Yeah, like you doing CrossFit is not you trying to be like a physically bigger man. You doing CrossFit as a fitness and a self yeah reflective right it's it's an internal process not an external process yeah though i do enjoy the external benefits of it Duran does look good just thank you thank you this is a audio medium yeah um but yeah that's where six to seven on the inside i don't know on the outside like seven to eight somewhere in there true dave Uh, all right so i don't want to get too out there but in thinking about how we've structured this I think that we're all kind of going along this unspoken kind of like uh, social median of what we perceive a scale of masculinity to be, right? I, we haven't even defined bounds that. to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're just I would going say, off. Yeah. yeah. So my yeah, view yeah, of you, myself... If you want to make a percentile, that's fine, right? Cool. Like 50 percentile is like middle of the road. Yeah. That's fine. So, I mean, my view of myself, um, I would say is actually... Right on par with Duran. Um, maybe a little higher. Or maybe even a little lower. Because I can't dive off of a dock into a lake. I mean, I can't do that either. All right. Well, then that's what? about the same as you. Is, is I've, that tried, a defining... I've tried to dive for an hour, and I couldn't do it because I was scared. Is this a defining trait of masculinity? Because I feel like I need to reevaluate my... No, yeah, well, it's one of the cruxes, man. One of the three um, Interesting. Yeah, I think I know exactly where David's coming from here, where it's like swimming mm-hmm. uh, is something that I view a man should be able to do and be comfortable with. And you guys can climb ropes? Climb ropes, dude. Get oh, weird. I can climb rope all day. Oh, I love climbing ropes. Uh, we covered this. Yeah, Dave does like climbing ropes. Uh, yeah, can't swim. Yeah, very well. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. And, and I say that because I think that one instance in the brief story I told of me trying for an hour to dive off a dock and not being able to do it, I belly flopped once. Um, is insight into the fact that growing up, I was very. I would rather stay inside. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I would. Uh, create worlds in my head. I avoided a confrontation at all costs. I never broke a rule. Uh, my first drink was m- the day before I turned 21 because I was like, F the law. I did this for me. Uh, Would you be a rebel? Yep, thanks. And uh, it was a, I washed dishes at a Greek. Uh, long story. Anyway, they gave me beer. Um, yeah, so I'd say, but at the same time, uh, I, as I've matured, I feel very secure in my interests. And I think that the fact that I mean, I, I think we're all kind of Renaissance men in a sense, um, with a lot of varied interests. True. Uh, and I've just grown secure in those, um, and I'm able to infuse my oddball uh, quirks with enough 
machismo that it just kind of works and so i think that for some reason brings the number up uh, when i look at myself i think externally people looking at me is pretty high uh, especially when i'm not talking um or they don't know me <laughs> uh then it's when true. i get talking and do know me i think that they know that i'm also a dependable thing and i think that's very masculine is to be dependable sure. um except for when it comes to getting on time to podcasts uh <laughs> so i think that that maybe rises it up so maybe externally it's gonna be higher like maybe a nine when someone first meets me uh just because of my n- kind of nature and um you're just very forward and confident yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but i think that it maybe stays the same but just gets weirder <laughs> with their expect with their expectations they realize it's not just masculinity yeah. it's something else yeah and inside i know like i my and inside i know i'm just a little bit more uh reserved than they would think so yeah uh my my belt uh, easy white belt with two yellow stripes because that's exactly what I am in karate. Oh, the yellow stripes. Mm. Nice. Uh, I got one. Well, it was back in third grade, and I can't remember why I earned the two yellow stripes, okay. but I earned them both at the same time. Oh, can't remember why. A twofer. Mm-hmm. Twofer. I had a white belt with one stripe, but I don't remember what color it was. Mm. I have not ever done any kind of martial art. Well, as the senior karate expert here, mm-hmm. uh, true. After this, let's uh, hold. Teach you some lessons. Okay. I look forward to Perfect. it. <laughs> Dave, you own guns. Yes, I do. But do you own a handgun? Mm-hmm. I own several handguns. Do you ever carry those handguns? Uh, I, not normally. I don't have a concealed carry in Washington. Um, I've open carried once, and I hated it. Uh, <laughs> but, like, you don't you don't have a handgun for self-protection necessarily? Yeah, I do. I've got one uh, I've got one in my house that I keep loaded. Okay. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Drain? I don't own any guns. Yeah, I also don't own any guns. If you guys ever want to borrow some, I've got plenty for all of us. <laughs> That's <laughs> a reassuring thought. There we go. Um, um, but, like, when you went out and bought your pistol, did you buy it intentionally with, like, this is going to be a self-protection measure? Um, Which I think is that fine. Was a, that, right? was a ten, that was a tangential reason. Yeah. Um, my, sorry, in, 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 let me let me see the other side of that, right? Because I also think that people can own guns for recreation, and I think that shooting handguns is awesome, right? Like, I'm mm-hmm. not suggesting that there's... Because mm-hmm. I think you could take my tone and my question is saying, like, oh, I don't think that's right, especially oh, if I don't no. have one, right? And so my point is more like, what was the motivation in getting a handgun? Yeah, no, absolutely. Right? So the context, right? So grew up in Montana, dad, big gun guy. Mm-hmm. He loved hunting. I never hunted. I've never hunted in my life. Not yeah. a hunter. No thanks. But... You know who is? Duke. Duke is a hunter. Duke is a hunter. Duke is a mighty hunter. Um, but, um, I, honestly, I never had interest in guns. Never did until I got into college. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I bought my handgun. Me and my brother have matching guns. Um, they're from the same brand, Six Hours, a German brand. I've got the forty caliber. He's got the nine um, different calibers. Um, and my dad got the forty five. So it was kind of a... All three of us kind of bought the same handgun, mm-hmm. um, and the first reason was very much so for recreation. Yeah. Got some friends in college who I went shooting with. It was fun, so I bought that. Um, and it was also with my dad and my brothers. It was kind of a bonding experience, too, and it's kind of yeah, cool that we have sure. all the same thing. Sure. And then the other guns I've accumulated have been from my dad, um, just because he has a ton, and he's like, I'm getting old, and he's just kind of offloaded some. Yeah. Um, so... The number one reason probably being recreational, number two being kind of like family legacy, yeah. and then number three being protection. But that's always just kind of been like, like a, you, you keeping it loaded and ready is part of that. Like, well, if I have it, I might as well. Well, exactly right. That's not me being like this is going to be a thing. It's kind of like, well, it would make zero sense for the point one percent of a chance that this ever would happen sure. for it to be locked up in a safe, especially when it's just me and Maddie. Mm-hmm. 
So I keep it out of the way and hidden, but it's accessible in my room. Yeah. Within seconds. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just, I just figured it's like, man, I should do that. And then uh, if we have company or guests, I'll lock it up. Yeah. Because I don't want an accident to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was the statistic, statistic about if you do own a gun? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> do, you, do you have a child? Yeah. Yeah. Or did you, did you get pregnant? Yeah. Love that part. Jeez. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I didn't even really filter into my uh, response to the first question. I think that people should be comfortable around guns. I think that because you never know when you'll need to handle one. So just having no baseline knowledge of it would be good. But besides that, I don't think that like guns are a necessity. Well, I also think that that destigmatizes it a little bit. Yeah, right. Because right? I, I feel a little bit that way. Because I, I don't think I would ever want to own a gun, but I've definitely... Like, I've gone out to the desert and mm-hmm. shotguns with buddies, right? Yeah, and that's exactly. Awesome. That's fun, right? And, I've done the same thing. And and that's cool and that's fun. It's not an expense I want to deal with or a kind of yeah. responsibility I want to deal with. But I think expensive. those two things are why I don't own a gun, yeah. is that I know sure. it's expensive. Yeah. Like, even buying ammo mm-hmm. to yeah. go shooting for fun. There's a dollar. There's a dollar. Yeah. Is expensive. And then dealing, like, if I had one, I know that I would want to do everything for, like, upkeep and safety. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's just, mm-hmm. that's a lot of work. Yeah, but I think you're right that that exposure leads to a little bit of a destigmatization from people who see them more as just like this super, like, show of power and super show of, like, the only reason you won't have a gun is to kill someone, right? And that's mm-hmm. not, that's not really a whole picture of what it is. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I just think it's a comfort thing. I think that people should just, when they, if, if they're ever in a scenario where they, they see one, uh, it shouldn't be foreign and they should at least have some experience. Oh, I know how that works. Mm-hmm. And it's all it is is all guns are they're extensions of your will, right? I want that little Coke can to explode. I can't do it myself. I want this thing to do you it for do me. It I know. You Alpha. can't you can't punch your finger through a Coke can? Mm-hmm. I think you could. <laughs> I mean index finger. Yeah. So yeah. Alright guys. Uh so this week's we don't before do we them, get into it. We don't do them weekly. Uh before we get into it, just don't mess with me. That's the message of that part. Yeah, we can we can get into this a little bit later, but like I don't think anyone has ever looked at you and been like, "That's a guy I want to mess with," right? <laughs> Dave is what six four six five? No, he's six three, maybe six two and some same? change, what baby. Six two and some change. Maybe just your physical stature. I mean, me his you're bigger than me. I walk on my tiptoes all the time. His shoulders are six feet three inches <laughs> wide. Uh, how much yet. how much uh, body fat do you have? Uh, I'm up about ten percent right now. Wow, that's yeah, pretty high for you. Yeah, I is. feel like I'm down around the lowest I've ever been. Nice. I mean, if, if we're to rank uh, exterior... I thought Scott was going to say his, and I was going to be like, Scott, you don't have to do this. I have one. many, many percentages. <laughs> many percentages. Uh, if we were to rank uh, physical uh, impositionness of each of us, it would be Dave Duran and myself. In terms of, like, external signs of your fitness, right? Currently, Duran is wearing a very sensible hoodie, and I cannot see his... Uh, muscles of his arms whereas mm-hmm. dave i can see both the uh what's this part Tricep. oh, the triceps the triceps and his biceps just like kind of poking out of his shirt yeah I'm, and he's he's wearing is that a large a very sensible yeah it's a large Absolutely. yeah i mean it's kind of it's a showy. large no but i'm saying like i all can see of my all of i can see all of your muscles right now <laughs> yeah yeah i'm um, just i'm just saying that, that no. uh, from the perspective of, of looking at because i think one of the interesting things about this story is that casey obviously uh, is not physically imposing, mm-hmm. and so he has that. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it confidence issue, but like I don't think anyone's ever looked at you and been like, "Oh, that's a puny man." 
No. Right. Or I could, like, take advantage of that man. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And to be fair, Only I women. Of the... Mm, good. When they see your tragic soul on the yep. inside. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and it feels like the three of us are pretty, I'd say, on the above average side of... Like, I've never felt really that physically uh, diminutive. Yeah. Right? And, and so I just think it's one of those things that's a privilege that the three of us have in terms yeah. of... Scott is talking a lot about myself and Dave, but Scott is an <laughs> imposing yeah. presence True. as well. He's yeah. big. Big beard. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to necessarily yeah. distance myself. I feel like if right, you, like, he's the middle beard guy. If you were spoiler, <laughs> Scott's middle beard. I'll leave the other middle one. as in on our logo. He's the middle one. Um, oh, that's what you mean. I thought you meant like out of the three. I was oh, thinking. if no. Scott was ever actually like upset to the point of that's fight in yeah, the fight true. or flight sense, I would be scared shitless. I think true. Um, if he was roaring and running at me, I would turn and run. <laughs> Absolutely, sure. So. Sure, sure. Yeah, I wouldn't want to get in a tussle with either of you guys. Well, yeah, and, and yeah. I think that like the three of us just are, we just aren't like Casey, right? Mm-hmm. Like we 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 are. No. Yeah, we watched the Art of Self Defense. I thought we were doing Lion King. Oh no! I just I just read Hamlet. Uh, <laughs> interestingly, Art of Self Defense, which seems to have a very limited release, I thought it was well, going to be a bigger movie than it was. It will so. It was released released on March 10th. Yeah. And it was not available in any theaters within a 250-mile range of where we are until this past Thursday, July 18th. So It was only available in one of those, like, nine theaters. Yeah. So even when it had a wide release, it was not that wide. Yeah. Um, it's categorized as a comedy, comedy drama sport. Which I thought was really interesting. This is a sport movie, guys. <laughs> I mean, I guess. The sport of karate. Also, I, 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 I don't want to diminish its the label of comedy, but I would I would be hard-pressed to put comedy as the title. Or oh. as like a genre. Well, I think that even wouldn't. the preview says dark comedy. Yeah, but it's like anti-jokes, which I love, right? This is <laughs> my comedic jam. I don't oh, yeah. like comedy yeah. movies, but I love the comedy in this. But I still feel as though like, labeling it as a comedy seems... Yeah. Like, it feels like it's almost more of, like, a allegorical satire than it is. Yeah, I think labeling it a satire would have been better. Yeah. Because you compare it to, like, a Will Ferrell movie. Yeah, like, which it's... Not like, even close. Well, if you walked into this thinking that it was going to be that, yeah. I mean... Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I like comedy. I wouldn't confuse the... Uh, mainstream schlock, right, as the, as the standard bearer for comedy. I love uh, that you got schlock in already. Oh, I got to. Um... So I mean, it's uh, definitely drama. It's definitely sport. Definitely sport. What? And definitely comedy. <laughs> no, I think I think the sport is pretty silly. <laughs> I was LMFAOing. I wasn't, but I was chuckling. There were yeah. a few moments yeah. where the entire theater busted out laughing. Um, oh, I saw it with two other people. Oh, yeah. There were well, like, when I say the entire theater, I mean the ten other people. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. Directed by Riley Stearns. Um, the only other thing that Riley Stearns has directed is Faults, which I don't think I even ever heard of Same until here. I looked up Riley Stearns. Uh, was Jesse Eisenberg in Faults? No. Oh, okay. Was it an earthquake movie? No, it wasn't. Um, Riley Stearns also wrote this movie. He also wrote Faults, so 
I think Riley Sims. Real writer, real writer, director. writer, director. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the composer for this was Heather McIntosh, possibly related to Steve Jobs. I don't think Steve Jobs. No, because Steve Jobs' name is Steve Jobs, oh. and Heather's name is Heather McIntosh. Oh. Um, she did the music for Z for Zachariah, which I heard of. I watched it. It's oh, you watched it? Heart wrenching. Did you read the book? Mm-mm. I was forced to read the book in like seventh grade, and I liked it because it's like this dystopia book. Yeah. Uh, and the movie's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty intense. I yeah. mean, it's not an upper. No. It's a I don't remember anything about the music, so this is not relevant. Okay. Uh, she also did the music for Compliance and Honeymoon. I have not seen any of these three movies. If Compliance is about like OSHA compliance and or like corporate rules compliance, I think it's a bad choice. No one wants to watch a movie about that. Wow. Yeah, honestly, I feel offended. Was that they... Scott or was that Dave right there? I don't... I'm so confused. Well, I was just going to make a comment on Honeymoon, how um, presumptuous it is for them to call a movie like that. And people like me have never been on a Honeymoon. I feel singled out. <laughs> there it is. Um, the... So, but the, the bigger point is that this is not a mainstream movie. Yeah, not a mainstream That's movie a at all. Right. No one involved in this, at least from the back of the house um has done anything major but then the cast um we had jesse eisenberg playing casey the main Mm -hmm. protagonist big pacers fan um and then um alessandro nivola plays sensei what else has he been in oh man um he was in i looked this up because i wanted to double check and now i'm already blanking um oh he's in jurassic park three do you remember that Oh, he's one of the sh- the hunter guys. I think he's one of yeah, one of the like mercenaries. Mercenaries. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah for is. lack of a better word. Uh, yeah. And then he's in he's in a couple other things where I'm like, oh yeah, he is in that. Yeah. Um, I think he did a phenomenal job yeah. in this movie. Oh, yeah, like yeah. I saw him in this movie and I was like, why is he not in more? Because he's doing so good. Um, Emojin Poots, possibly Imogen. 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 Yeah. I like Emojin better. And that's that's, that's Poots with a T. <laughs> And a P and a double O and an S. Just not poops, because... And we can't make it through one of these Although I'm fun sure of she does. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that she doesn't, but her name is Poots. Um, she plays Anna. And then we've got Steve Tarada plays Thomas. Philip Andre Botello plays Kenneth. Who's, who's Thomas? Oh, Thomas is the... I think Asian, Thomas is the, 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 the one purple who... Belt. The, no, who, no, he the gets awarded gets the black belt. The black over. Oh, that's him. Anna. That's Thomas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so Rotten Tomatoes critics gave this movie an eighty-three percent. The audience gave it a sixty-nine percent. Nice. At one point, it was a hundred percent from audience from Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, interesting. Well, it might have been before the wide release. Yeah. True. Yeah. Um, IMDb gave it a seven point four out of ten. Metacritic gave it a sixty-seven, and there's no cinema score. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's too small for cinema score. Yeah. Um, as of July nineteenth, it has grossed five hundred and nineteen thousand in the U.S. I don't think it's been released anywhere outside the U.S. Um, I tried to look up the budget, yeah, and nowhere could I find the budget. I can imagine it'd be pretty. I think uh, it would scaled be. Back. Yeah, I think it'd be pretty scaled back. But then you have Jesse Eisenberg in yeah. it. Um, True. He's a weird guy, though. I mean, he'd go he'd go in on something if he liked it for cheap. I yeah. could see him doing that. Um, yeah. He's done that before. I read that. Can't remember the movie. <sighs> Social Network. Uh, no, I think it was uh, 
push pusher one where he could push people I that sounds that. vaguely familiar yeah it's like a like a power push you know. so yeah art of self-defense ready for some thumbs um all right guys let's thumb it thumb it thumbs Hey! Oh, doesn't surprise me after watching it. Okay. Uh, unanimous thumbs up. Unanimous thumbs up. Everyone, all of us everyone thumbs thumbs it up. Everyone thumbed it. Okay, since we all thumbed up, which I think is the first time it's happened. Nope. Widows. Widows. Did we all? I thought someone did. Uh, I didn't. Okay, okay. Um, if I did, I was wrong. <laughs> who, who uh, of the three of us, who do you think liked it the most and who do you think liked it the Ooh, least? Ooh, interesting. Even though we all liked it. Right? Um... I'll, I mean, I'll throw my hat in the ring of, I may have liked it the least. Okay, yeah. Just because I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. Mm. Oh. Then for sure, Duran likes it the least. Yeah. I think this is a movie that demands to be watched again. Same okay. here. That's yeah. actually one of my larger points. Yeah, the... same here. Yeah, so they're yeah. easy. Duran likes it the least. Okay. It's wow. funny because I, if I was a betting man, would have put a little bit more towards Scott because I think Not that, liking it or? Liking not liking it as much. Yeah. Just because I think there are some things that would annoy you in it. Like, yeah, I don't think it's but, a perfect movie. No, for yeah. sure, but and it, and because they were annoying me. Yeah. But something that I think I'm able to do is, um, as my track record suggests, buy into things. Yeah. And I was like, oh wait, 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 I get it. Yeah, I'm in. I'm all in. This isn't real. This isn't real life. Yeah, and I'm. And it's in. not supposed to be. It's right not again. supposed to be. I also like the fact that it was a low key period piece. Yeah, and it was like, oh, this is this is like the '80s or the '90s, maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, it was about a CD. Yeah, it had uh, to have been '90s, based on early the '90s. Yeah, which like, this year man, I really yeah. wanted. That was something I was gonna bring up. Was yeah. that like, never once do they have a date or like, yeah. do they use any form of um, well, time period? Answering machine too, right? Yeah, like it's a yeah, which is very yeah. specific yeah. answering machine. So they don't. And I was thinking about how like, man, they. This movie did such a good job of not telling you when it took place and mm-hmm. everyone knowing like exactly when it took place. Yeah. yeah. Because of like just the technology. Yeah. Yeah. Uh you guys know this about me that I don't really like comedy, especially mainstream comedy. Yeah. And that's not me trying to be pretentious. I just don't like it. But this is my this is exactly my jam. Yeah. Like the the dry anti humor and yeah. just everything about it, the way they wrote the dialogue is just exactly what I like from a comedy movie. Yeah, and just the the one you know that's even in the previews about the like I'm here to buy a gun. Yeah, one that fits in my hand. Yeah. Oh, so you want a handgun? Yes, that's what I want. <laughs> and just like that that level of like internal self reference is Absolutely. just so yeah good. I then realized the fact that she is a woman would keep her from ever becoming a man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way he, he's so oh, self serious when he delivers all of his lines. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I actually have a thought on the dialogue yeah. because after I got out of the movie, I was talking to Liz about the film and about how the the way of speaking that Casey has wasn't just him being an awkward human being. Like everyone in the movie yeah. kind of had that. And yeah. my first thought was, well, he's the narrator. Yeah, that's a good so point. I wonder if it's from his perspective. If it's it was very conscious, yeah, that like it's his it's from his perspective so he is taking the way that other people speak and putting it in a form that he understands better and that he's able to relate to better that's interesting so that's why everyone in the movie even the guys in the office um that are clearly living a different life than him 
the, some of the things that they said and the way that they said them, you're like, even that was kind of like awkward. Sure. And I think it's because we're viewing it through Casey's eyes. Yeah. And real yeah, quick that's here, interesting. I like that. Can we just pour one out for for Grant? Which one's Grant? The boss. Yeah, oh, I want to talk about this because he's not a bad guy. No, not a bad no. guy at all. Like, if you look at the context clues you get, he's an amazing boss, yeah. right? He has the answering machines where he's like, hey, man, I paid for you out of my own pocket. This one came out right? of my pocket. Yeah. Like, he's a good guy. He's calling and he's like, hey, just want to check in on you. Yeah. Let you know, like, you've still, you can take as much time as you need. Yeah. And then For like, the record, here's how your disability works. Yeah. But you've got vacation days. Like, you should be fine. Yeah. Why don't you go to France? Like, you yeah. want, like, yeah. And then he comes up and is like at the office, like talk to him, and he's okay with the fact that he's got boobs up on the screen. He's like, "Look at that stack of work, man. I just want to try it." And he just gets <laughs> throat punched. Which, which I think is interesting because that's, I think that's the metaphor that's happening right there. Yeah, is because he is trying to live into his most manly form, right? Yeah, yeah. and he intentionally, as soon as he does that, he then uses it as evidence to go get into the. But what's Break funny club, is right? you notice the the I think the casting of Grant was very intentional. You notice his face, do you? Yes, you absolutely do. Yeah, and do. he is by far oh, the really? most masculine-looking, tallest, most dominating. Oh, I thought I he was. That. He was a very clean-cut, like yeah. masculine-looking man. Yeah. yeah. Who would fit right in with that table if not yeah. put them all to shame because they were all, you know, the way they were talking yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But he was kind of the most, if you would, like on the surface, masculine-looking man. Yeah. Grant was, and I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely yeah. pour one out. Yeah, yeah. Poor he's, Grant. He's one Grant. of the more tragic characters. Yeah, he yeah. just. Well, he was not a character, right? Like he's a yeah. backdrop. To he's a, a prop. Yeah, he's a prop. Yeah, just like the guys in the break room. Yeah, yeah true. True. Yeah. So, uh, interestingly, one of the things I liked, I, I've talked about this in the past, but this movie hard failed the Bechdel test. This is the test of two women who talk on screen, not about the main character or about yeah. sex. But I think actually they. They did a really interesting choice in not making this movie, which is ostensibly about masculinity, about physical, like, sexualization, right? There is the whole thing with the boobs, and there's the whole thing about, like, I'm going to go masturbate to your wife, that thing, right? Yeah. But there's the opportunity when he <laughs> when he drops off um, Anna. Yeah. And you see that moment where, like, he's going to get out of the car, and you think in your head, oh, he's in the super masculine mode. He's going to go try and, like, sleep yeah. with her. Yeah. yeah. But then he doesn't, and they subvert it by him going and, like, karate chopping the truck. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh. Yeah. These guys know what they're doing. Well, even, like, the... So, oh, man. The the scene, his first night class. Yeah. Where we get to see some, some dick. That's yeah, great. that's true. That's um, true. <laughs> right it goes from this, like, scene of, like, these dudes stripping down and, like, massaging each other to, like... A very questionable scene where Sensei's like, "Hey, come with me." Yeah, and you're like, yeah. "Okay, what yep. is happening here?" Um, and then the next scene is like Sensei opening the door and saying, sensei, like, "Here's a girl, go do it." Yeah, yeah, like here, get in this back room with this yeah. girl, where yeah. you're like, "Oh no, yeah, this is gonna like take an even worse turn than I thought it was going to," and then it doesn't. Yeah. It's just like yeah. the Sensei being like, "Hey, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry that you have to like go through yeah. this like post workout massage process with a girl, like." My bad. Well, and I like the fact that they were able to still approach this uh, idea of male masculinity as a dominant force. Mm-hmm. In that, I think a, a way that you could argue they're presenting it is that the, the sexualization in that culture is not as a form of pure sex, but as a form of dominance over women. Yeah. And how Casey specifically at the end like 
steps away from that, right? He sees that Anna is being just trampled on, right? He sees that she is worthy of uh, being the sensei and that she's worthy of leading, and so he gives it to her, right? Not as a not as a like pity give, but as a like no, no, no this is what should have happened a long time ago, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, which I just liked how they they could have that conversation without making it graphic and without making it. I, I feel like that's like low hanging fruit to say, oh, it's just about sex. Yeah. Because I think the masculinity is not just about sex, right? Yeah. I think it's more than that. Yeah, and I yes, I think the entire film avoids it being about sex. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a one there's a little snippet into it that line of dialogue that a sensei has when he's just like, uh, yeah, guys and girls do things together like ride a tandem bicycle <laughs> and sex, yeah. and then he's just like, well, of course, if you think about it, guys ride a tandem bicycle to please a woman yep. and the other way around for sex. Yep. Yeah, which which that scene is super cringy for the sensei because that's I think the same scene where he says like, I realize that she couldn't be a man. Yeah, right. And that's that's such a it dawned on me the fact that she was a woman. Yeah, and that's that's such a, a like commentary on the the idea that like it's it's a false equivalency, right? The sensei yeah. is not judging her the same way that he's judging everyone else. Yeah, he's his standard for just the best person involves being a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. In in an activity that she's already proven herself to be. Absolutely. Superior. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, and really props to Liz on this, because she mm-hmm. brought it up before I could even think it, yeah. um, that this the a lot of the masculinity in this film is also coming from a place of uh, like subverted homosexuality. Oh, interesting. And okay. that and the idea that the sensei is actually overcompensating with all this masculinity because he himself is gay. And that that plays like into everything that he's doing. Like he is, he is so hateful of homosexuality, which he doesn't ever do that in the film. But I think that like it shows someone that could be in that position where they are yeah. self-hating homosexual, and their way of compensating is like, I'm going to go in the complete opposite direction, what they perceive as the complete opposite mm-hmm. direction, and be this masculine, like dominating, like male force. Well, in the expectation around like. That's not what a man does. Yeah. Right? Like, no, you have to listen to metal and yep. German and, right? Like, right, and you, right. yeah, you have to go out and, like, beat up and kill people. Yeah. Because, yeah. because you, to show your masculinity. And I feel like the film, I mean, the biggest cue I think you get is that, is that, like, weird scene where, like, they're all stripping down and, like, massaging each other. And the sensei's just like, yeah, that's what we do here. And it's night class. It's night class, and uh, the the fact that he clearly isn't with his wife anymore. The sensei. Yeah. Was he ever? I don't remember. I just the picture. So Casey's oh, going yeah, through his desk. Right, that's right. Picture. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. it's like okay, what's happened between him and his wife? Yeah. Um. So there are. I feel like it's it's a it's a whole sub thing sub plot yeah. of like there's a potential there where it's showing like masculinity even like at the same time that it is uh, taking power away from women it's also taking power away from homosexuals like it's when you're focusing on masculinity so much like you're just completely uh, dominating I guess like every other way of living sure sure uh, this this considering so one of the things I want to talk about was the idea that some movies I go and I watch, and when I get done with them, I look at Gwen and I say, what was the point of that movie? And I feel as though this 
movie, I think I know what the point is, but I also think that there's a lot of layers in the satire that I... D- when we're talking about, like, rewatchability, I want to watch it again to watch it with the context of, like, oh, I know it's going to happen, and look for those layers, because I feel as though they did a lot of things very intentionally uh, to layer that satire, and I think that's really interesting that when I walked away, I was like, okay, I understand this is about identity and about... You know, what it means to be a man and what that masculinity looks like but I still feel as though there's a lot in there kind of like what Liz is getting at in terms of like yeah but there's secondary effects right there's secondary things they're trying to say yeah and how I I get that there is a point but I'm not a hundred percent sure I know the whole point right yeah. after watching it once and I think that's really good I think that's amazing from yeah. the standpoint of uh, a movie that's at a surface level just kind of a dry witty thing but if you watch it deeper there's a lot of stuff they're trying to say yeah and that's one of the reasons i want to see it again kind of twofold one just to get the dialogue again mm-hmm. because there's a lot of hilarious lines um that right. i was think there's a lot of hilarious lines that you might not actually get exactly are hilarious yeah, exactly right? they're, yeah yeah uh, they're subtle and then just yeah the whole i don't know i how they structured everything and it was very intriguing to me i uh I'm curious if the movie surprised either of you guys. Were so there were several twists. Did they surprise you or not? The twist being that he was beaten up by Sensei, mm-hmm. and then the twist that Sensei was filming all of it. Mm-hmm. And then also, so my point well, is, well, and I guess that Sensei has an incinerator in his. So that part got dojo. weird. I was like, oh, hmm. But okay, so yeah. the second they said night classes. Yeah. I was like, they were on motorcycles and beating people up. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. I think from, I think uh, even from watching the previews, I had that immediate thought of, oh, he like gets beat up by people on motorcycles yeah. and then he goes to this like self-defense karate class yeah. where that's kind of sketchy. And I was like, I bet it was the people yeah. from that karate class also, that are going I, around beating up people. Also, the fact that he shot him. Saw it coming a hundred miles away. At oh, you did? Yeah, oh, I did not at all. Oh, really? I, I that th- got me. I thought about it, but I thought he wouldn't have. Well, so when he was watching, so and here's my one slight complaint with the movie. It's like I th- well, there's two, but one of them is they could have shroud. I think it was very blatant foreshadowing the fact that he was watching that movie with the scene where well, he comes yeah. up and shoots him. This is, this is a problem with any kind of. Right, because you, you have to have that scene in order to have him have the line at the end. Yeah. And you can't mask it any other way. Yeah, it's tough. But, and I was like, interesting. And then I didn't really think much about it, but then I went to the dojo and I saw the 11th rule, Guns Are For The Week, and I was like, I was like, there's there's going to be a gun. Yeah. Absolutely. And then when he came up onto the mat and he was behind him talking about who's going to kill him, and I was like, is he just going to... Shoot him there? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, no. But then when like I'm going to challenge you to self-defense, then when he came walking from the mat, I was like, hey, he's just going to pull a gun and shoot him. So this is an interesting and question. sure enough, headshot. Did the master sensei... But bang. Did he shoot yeah. everyone else? That's my thought. Right, because Casey implies that he did the one finger like through the Punched skull. Punched a hole through people's skull with yeah. his index finger. Which, which could just be him covering for the fact that there's a bullet wound in this Yeah, skull, right? that he's also shooting people in the head and then putting his finger in it. That's yeah. interesting. Actually, yeah. Because yeah, it leaves open a question of, like, did Casey know something about it that we didn't know? And or did Sensei know something about it that we didn't know? Mistaken for a bird. Which was weird. <laughs> that was one of the funnier things in the oh, whole yeah, film, for sure. too. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I I had that thought. Yeah. Right away was like, oh, so Grandmaster was going around shooting people in the head and then claiming that he was able to punch a hole through their head with his index finger. Yeah. Which also makes it interesting because that opens up the idea that there are other dojos that may or may not be in the same kind of level of like shady activity. Yeah. He became the Grandmaster Dojo when he challenged the other leaders to fight to the death. Yeah, they're Grandmasters within our like yeah. city. And beat them all. But I s- his... I'm still really weirded out by why was there essentially like a quasi-morgue and an incinerator in there. Because they he were was, killing people. Because he was killing people. But why? I guess why? Don't. Like, because it's mad. Like, because that's like the ultimate. I feel like that is the ultimate in masculinity. You guys messed up. It's like like taking another person's life. Taking another man's life. Because again, there's never, it's pretty, I mean, they don't ever show basically any other woman. Um, Yeah, it's just him. And it's, when they're going out and like attacking people, they're not attacking women. They're attacking men. Mm, True. Um, True. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting that they didn't explore that more. And, oh gosh, can we talk for a second about, uh, I think it's, is it Kenneth? Who kills himself? Yeah. Is that yeah. He gets his arm snapped? Yeah, I think it's Kenneth. <sighs> that was intense. Yeah, it was. Do you, do you guys think I it, was it was him coming. I knew it was coming. When, when Casey sees him, right? Because there's a scene oh, where Casey yeah, 100%. looks and sees him. But did you know 100%. he was dead? Yep, I knew he was hanging. Yeah. What? Absolutely. How did you know? Yeah, so the, the so angle. cast. It was obviously the cast in the I foreground. couldn't even tell it was a cast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He came looking at it. I was like, it's out of focus. And I was like, oh, there's a dead body there. And then the blue thing looked like a cast. I was like, yeah, that's the guy. Wow. I yeah. had no idea. Because yep. I feel as so that gets into an interesting point around there. Right, I think what that that message is is that he was trying to identify so heavily with his masculinity, yep. and when Sensei deprived him of that yeah. identity, he couldn't handle it. Which is more a commentary on loud motorcycles. Speaking of masculinity, can we just all stop with loud cars and Seriously? motorcycles? Amen, just, amen, brother. Preach. Just, no one cares. I did not people. know that he had hung himself. I thought that Sensei killed him. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought he was just hanging there being killed, but he yeah. was. He killed himself. Yeah. And that's, that's part of what I'm getting at in terms of the layers of... Because I think that I, you could possibly make the argument that every single character is representing some form of, or some critique of, male masculinity. And how his story is one of right self-obsession and soul focus on that identity. That when it is taken away, he then has no other option than to kill yeah. himself. Right? Well, I also think... Oh, man. Because there's even sort of like a homoerotic moment when mm-hmm. he's like first putting the belt on Casey. Sure, yeah. So even like there's possibly even some like messages there yeah. of a reason maybe that like maybe they are trying to show him as like a potential homosexual character and that's why he's not getting invited to the night class. Mm, and that's why interesting. Um, yeah. when he shows up and Sensei basically says like, Hey, I gave you a blue belt. I can't take that away, but I can take your arm away. Yeah. Get out of here. I don't want yeah. to see you around. Maybe yeah. that's his critique of him being a homosexual. Oh my God. That was so That's interesting. Yeah. Cause I didn't think about that. Cause I think, is, is it Kenneth? I, I'm looking at our sheet and I see a Thomas. I and assume a just because of the number of lines that he has. Yeah, he's, his he's pretty significant character. Yeah. But he's the only character that really kind of like took in Casey when he came in. Yeah. In kind of a more uh, affectionate way. Which yeah. we've seen in the movie is not a form of masculinity. Yeah. Right? Is, it, is not 
yeah. part of that. And it could even be, like, I could even be going way over bounds and s- assuming that it's homosexuality, sure. when in reality it is just a guy that's being caring. Uh, but that was a little off-putting, right? When I was watching that scene, I was on edge about, like, wait, what? Where are they, yep. what, where are they going with For this? Sure. Like, what? Yeah. But again, it could be, because they didn't go all the way with it, it could be as simple as, no, this is just a guy who's, like, comfortable in his, in his sexuality. Yeah, sure. And he's willing to, like, be a caring man to another man. Yeah. And even that is like, nope, mm-hmm. can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, because, again, the only woman in the film was pretty arm's length with Casey. Yeah. Right? Like, Anne is pretty... She she treats him as other men that she needs to dominate in yeah. the dojo. She's arguably more masculine than a lot of the other mm-hmm. guys in the dojo. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, do you guys think that if this movie came out five years ago, it would have been as resonant? Yeah. Mm. Potentially. I think that it holds a pretty big... That it has a pretty big impact or has the potential to have a pretty big impact now. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the culture. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it's... It's it, commentary. Like, this is a this is a discussion that... We people have been discussing you know masculinity at least in my experience from when I was a freshman sophomore uh, resident assistant at university. Yeah. Uh, university. University. Uh, uni. And it we I mean we were talking about masculinity back. I mean yes I think it would have the message rings clear five years ago. Yeah. But I just I just thought like if I would have watched this movie with my college roommates they would have walked out and been like what was that like i don't even think they would have recognized the level of uh kind of like societal call outs that were in the film mm-hmm. because i think they just their mind space is not in that conversation and so it's funny like i think i think i'm leaning more to the point that Duran made on this is like totally depends on the individual like i'm thinking yeah, of a lot of people true. right now who'd go in and watch that with me and honestly it's just the fact that when they go to a movie they want to be see like their idea yeah. of a movie right yeah. just the genre what the fact that the they're like i'm not a comedy that was just sports movie weird yeah they're just like that's it's just like weird and, and kind of uncomfortable and like yeah. yeah kind of goofy what was the point yeah and i think that people just don't associate movies with critical thinking sure maybe yeah so which people, which this movie like clearly is trying to make a point mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. I think that's an interesting context, right? If if you're not walking into this movie trying to glean what that point is, then it would be a pretty terrible movie. If your goal is not to come away from it having good conversation in a podcast, yeah, sure. Then you probably aren't looking for yeah. the depth. Uh, can we talk about uh, the dog? Yeah, it's a bummer. <laughs> Which one? Both. Both. Okay. I love. I love the fact. I was like, how are they gonna? Do- and like, is he gonna? Oh yeah, he just had him chew through his throat. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> makes zero sense. Man, he trained that dog quick too. I mean, he knew German. Your other it's left, a German Shepherd. It's a German Shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> Your other left, and yeah. then it, uh, dude, the whole thing, soft rock. You cannot sprain your wrist playing soft rock. <laughs> the only way you could sprain your wrist playing guitar is if you were playing heavy metal. Yeah, dude. I, and then well, has, so I think I think that's another one of these layers. How does dog kill him? Context of of the sense of there's a common trope around how like uh, the dog you have represents the owner in some way, um, and I think a lot of people 
both strongly agree and or strongly disagree with that. But I think that's an easy way to show that transformation of him uh, moving into his full manliness, right? That yeah. that his wimpy, puny little dog uh, isn't manly enough for the dojo. It was punched to death. Ah, so sad. With a foot. Which, let's think about he this for He was brave, though. He fought with courage till the end. It's true, he had blood. He did bite uh, Thomas's hand. Yeah, Thomas wrist. Um, which is really sad if you think about that dog and if you had to kill that dog. I don't think it'd be that hard. I haven't thought a lot about killing dogs, but I'm just thinking that dog's not... I mean, you could accidentally step on that dog and kill it. Oh, yeah. No, you could kill the dog really easily. Which is just a bummer. That is a bummer. Yeah. Also, that dog did nothing wrong. I know. Well, let's talk about ne- the fact Neither that did the boss. <laughs> Grant. Neither did the boss. <laughs> Man, Grant. Grant. So here's the thing, though. Uh, so at the end of the movie, after all of this, right, mm-hmm. the arc is coming to a close. Yeah. He still had his dog kill someone. Yeah, but I think that's more a utility thing than it is. Because I think one of, the, one of the things you can take away from the movie is that at the end, his change is saying, like, no, things are going to change here. Like, this dojo is not going to... Like, we're going to be more uh, empathetic. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that what he learned in the process is still removed, right? Yeah. I think this is the thing of, like, you can still be masculine without it being uh, a sign of dominance, yeah. right? You can you can still be... Because uh, it, it... Okay, so let's, let's break this down for a sec. The dojo itself is a sign of the culture. True? Is that a fair... Yeah, analysis, right? So, yeah. like, sensei is is the embodiment of the culture, which suggests that you have to always be better than someone else. You always have to be uh, both physically and mentally dominating someone else. Uh, and at the end, Casey is essentially saying, like, no, that's not that's not what we're about here, right? So he's saying, like, no, the culture is not about that anymore. But that doesn't mean that you still have to walk away from some of the things that are part of that, right? I you can make arguments, right? But but the the uh, desire to be physically better may be a masculine trait, but that's not a bad masculine trait, right? Like that, right? That desire to be physically fit is not uh, inherently bad. The motivation, right? I want to be fit so I can beat people up, right? That's probably bad. But I want to be physically fit so I can feel good about myself. It's not a problem, right? That's and so I think that the dog is an example of. Casey's been on a journey and he can still take some of that with him into the future that's the, how I saw yeah, it because yeah. I thought about the same thing of like oh that's so sad that he lost his dog yeah but he still has this new dog yeah which is a good dog yeah it's a dog that kills people for you yeah it was interesting yeah. and you also never really see Casey fight and win uh, I mean he the beats up and officer. kills a cop Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. Think about boom, that. boom, yeah, boom. That's like, true. He pretty cop. good. Yeah. He wrecks that cop yeah. in hand to hand combat. Yeah. Which, uh, I'm trying to think. That's like. What, so, does that, what does that mean? Yeah, so that's a moment that stuck out to me uh, as, like, point. after the movie ends, I was like, all right, Casey's like, he's now a new person. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, he's a new person that has killed a couple people now. Yeah, yeah. three. He killed three? Yeah, you could argue that guy might have died. The guy that he attacks outside the bar. No, no, no. Cop, Sensei, Thomas. He attacks the bar. Oh, technically he does 
kill Thomas. Oh, so, the guy at the bar probably was messed up. Yeah. I mean, right? so like, if you fall back and hit your head, the guy bleeds, who right? rode the bike, not the motorcycle, yeah. um, he might be dead. Yeah. And then, yeah, I didn't even think, yeah, technically he's on, Thomas is on his hands too, yeah. I feel. Yeah. So he's killed yeah. three to four people. Yeah. Yep. But he's a new man. Yeah. And it's like, that's a good point. Ah, man, I don't even know. That doesn't absolve him of that. Yeah. And I don't, and I think that's very intentional in the movie that, like, no, just because he's, like, learned these things doesn't make him, like, now he's a good person or, like, it's a happy ending. No. It's. Yeah. I think that's a, uh, a staple of dark comedies is that it doesn't always end on a happy note. Mm. And in fact, like, it often doesn't because life doesn't. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, because the, the last scene, right, is the just the shot of the Master Sensei hearing Casey teaching in the background. Yeah. So the implies the culture is still there, even if it's modified in some way, right? The culture of, of the dojo is still there. It's yeah. still present. With his dog picture. Oh, the dog <laughs> picture. That was great. Yeah. Okay, so how about this? Um, what would we change about it? Right? What would we do differently if we were in charge of it? If we were... Uh, Riley Stearns. Well, he, I think before we get into that, I think he wrote this to be a maybe not, but I mean, maybe I think with the intention of it becoming having a cult following, kind of I can see this becoming a, a mini you, cult classic. Do you think that writers write something to be a cult? So that was that classic? was that was a one other point I wanted to ask you guys yeah. is because it has all the things that ring true to be a cult classic. I feel like. What do you think those things are? Yeah. Uh, the offbeat nature, um, some iconography, like some iconic moments. That's true. Um, and that the, they hit on a lot. Yep. And yeah. a very distinctive uh, just style. It was a very distinctive style. Because um, I think, and the small, condensed. It was a pretty small story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder. Because I'm thinking about other cult films, and that criteria fits for the most part. But yeah. I don't, I don't know if any writer is ever thinking about writing a movie to be a cult movie, or if they're just thinking, "I'm writing my, I'm writing the yeah, movie exactly. I want to write." Yeah. yeah, which was gets into this idea of okay, so Riley Stearns writes this, and he may or may not. I don't. I have no idea. He may or may not have already been talking with Jesse Eisenberg about it. Because it feels like Jesse Eisenberg fits that role very well. Yeah, yeah. him or Michael Sarah. Yeah, but even with Michael Sarah, I, I don't think you could do Michael Sarah. Yeah, but you're right. Like, there's only a few people that, in in at least our like concept or the our known memory, actor range that that would be able to like nail that performance the way that Jesse Eisenberg yeah. did, um, with such like dry and yeah uh, kind of blank stares, and even like the way he trembles. Yeah, it's just amazing, right? That scene where he's in the parking lot with the guy in the truck. Yeah, like that is yeah. so good. Yeah, it's good. Uh, and so, okay, so the this writer director writes a pretty specific non-mainstream movie, right? We can think of a lot of these. Uh, weren't you a huge fan of like the Lobster? Yeah, the Lobster and the Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yeah, both of those, and, and then the favorite. And that's the same director. I'm also thinking of like. Uh, was it Lars and the Real Girl? Lars and the Real Girl. Right. Which I feel as though all of these Patterson. are kind of fitting into this like kind of cultish. Do you guys see Patterson? I mean, though? as far like the Big Lebowski, right? Yeah. It it fits 
as David was listing off his criteria for cult following, like mm-hmm. the Big Lebowski. Yeah, that's, hit, that's like, the one I was thinking of. Every single yeah. one of those, where it's like it is. Oh, I was thinking about like Boondock Saints. Yep. Yeah. Right. Same same idea in terms yep. of like kind of offbeat, not really big. Yeah, well, but so, but so my point being that like Riley Stearns and Jesse Eisenberg, I don't think necessarily were trying to do anything other than a movie they felt good about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like I think it's a story that needs to be told, and I think yep. that it's a good story. Um. But I don't necessarily know. Yeah, if... I, I, I guess I'm trying to f- think about cult films as does someone write a movie to be a cult yeah. film, or does someone, or does no. I, I think that it's. I a, don't think so. I think that it's a film that falls beneath that like tier of mainstream. Yeah, that then gets noticed. Yeah, because I think there's a lot of movies that fall into that category of like people that are just making the movie they want to see, right? But also yeah. that like normies wouldn't just flock to. Yeah, and it's not art house, right? Like it's not. It's not trying to be an art piece. Yeah. It was... Uh, AMC had it listed on that, though. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think the way that the greater cinema universe categorizes art film is like, was it low budget? Mm-hmm. And is it not going to make money? Yeah. Yeah. Film. Then it's an art film. And it's like, okay. Because do you think that this would ever get any Oscar nominations? Man, I think... No. I mean, I maybe that it warrants it. When you, too, yeah. when you look at like when you look at the films that were nominated yeah. Yeah. and like the actors that were nominated and the yeah. performances that they had like yeah absolutely this one falls and would in my mind like beat out some of the films from last year and sure. some of the actors from last sure. year but it's not going to yeah but I'm thinking about like which is unfortunate Shape of Water I'm trying to think of what I would give it a nomination for uh, like I think Jesse Eisenberg's performance I think Alessandro Nivola's performance as, like sporting as the actor? sensei was was yeah. like supporting actor yeah. worthy. And I'm just thinking that it, it fits into that niche where the Oscars aren't mainstream except for Black Panther. Uh, and there, there are all these like really niche things where when you look at like how much money they've made it's always small right they're always small releases last year kind of changed it was more than black panther they kind of kind of blew it open yeah yeah but traditionally that was quick aside oh go ahead Quick aside. oh i I was just gonna say because i was thinking about the different categories in the oscars and the cinematography i can we talk about the zoom montages oh i love those so much (laughs) just like zoom into like a nondescript area and it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And then it would zoom in and then the sunset would peek through the thing. Gosh. Some of those were really I good. I was dying. Well, I, and I, I think like, this is so good. I think it's part of the period piece nature too. Though. Like, I think that's like a callback to older. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, it's great because I just watched a YouTube video about comedies. Yeah. And about using more than just dialogue. In oh, comedies, comedy, yeah. Um, yeah. like using camera work in particular, and I was like, "This film did that really well." Well, it's part of why I want to watch it again is because I think that there might be some more there that they're, what they're trying to get at from the perspective of like what story they're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. And it's just I wasn't paying attention to it because I was too much paying attention to dialogue and I was too much paying attention to yeah. other yeah. things, right? For sure. Yeah, I liked it. I want to watch it again. Yeah. I, I think it. If the biggest reason that this wouldn't get any nominations is uh, when it came out. That yeah. it came out now. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I don't think it will. And I don't think they're necessarily trying to do that. Yeah. 
Because that's the other thing which people don't understand about the Oscars and like the Emmys and stuff yep. is that there's a lot of money that goes into like getting things nominated. Yeah. Like studios and yeah, producers, uh, producers yeah. pay a bunch of money yeah. to get things nominated. And yeah, and I just I feel as if this is more of a this is going to sound really weird, but kind of like a real story from this perspective of they just wanted to make it. Yeah. Right, they're they're Based not on, trying to yeah make a big splash. They're just, they're just like they feel good about what they're doing and they did it. Yeah, which might f- I think that's a cr- I think that fits into that criteria of a cult film because mm-hmm. I don't I think Duran's questioning of like wait do people make cult films to be cult films or do people just like make a movie they really want to make and and it connects with some fans on a different level exactly yeah. and yeah. what I think the difference is that there are some films that are made to be cult films and they do not become cult films yeah yeah sure they're just bad movies yeah so. I think you think of like the Coen Brothers, yeah. right? Because I think that when you when you look at cult films, um, it's hard to get past the Coen Brothers because yeah. they have so many films that fit into that category. True, and I think it's because exactly because they're making the films they want to make, and it happens to be that they're making good films, so they are developing a following. Yeah, and that's you know then they become cult films. Yeah, did Casey need to ever go to the dojo? Um, right? Did he need to get a gun? Did he need to go to the dojo? I think for himself he did, because okay. I think at a certain point it was a self confidence thing, okay. more so than yeah. protection, more so than like, did he need to be more masculine? I would say like, does he need to be more masculine? No, I don't think that there's any ever really a time that like anyone needs to like have that be their concern. Like, mm-hmm. where's my masculinity at? Um, well, because the opening scene he. I mean, that fits, like, emasculation, right? Like, he's being made fun of for his appearance. Yeah. Uh, and so that's... I, I, in my mind, I think about those two things really being the catalyst, that, and then him being beat up. Yeah. But the being beat up part is a direct feedback loop into the dojo, right? Yeah. Like, again, if, we, if we're looking at the dojo as the culture, right? The culture is beating him up to force him into the culture. Yeah. Um, but does he ever need to be... Right? Like, is there a different way through that? path yeah I, I think you're right from the from the standpoint of the story the story certainly he needs that self-confidence he he needs to have a, an assurance in himself yeah to go be a functioning person i agree with you absolutely but it, but it's an interesting question around like the movie never really presents an alternative yeah which i don't think the movie's trying to but it's an interesting i don't think that it's ever in my mind it's not a question of does he need to be more masculine it's a question of he needs to just be more confident in himself. Sure. Yeah. Because you look at... There's nothing inherently wrong with how he was living at all. Um, but there was room for personal growth. Yeah. And I guess my question is, like, if that personal growth is just self-confidence, is yeah. there a different way you get that self-confidence? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I, I absolutely think that, you know, had he walked into... I mean, so, yeah, this was the dojo, but, I mean, there's a lot of different avenues where mm-hmm. you could... Basically, he was... He didn't have any passions. Mm-hmm. He didn't have... He worked and did numbers, and he had his dog, and he just lived his life. And it's like... So, yeah, he threw himself into karate, and he became passionate about it, whether the authenticity of that seed being planted, whatever. But... And then the story happened but like maybe he there's so many other avenues that he could have dove him and threw himself into Mm -hmm. and then found some sense of security 
and uh, confidence in himself through that. So yep. to answer your question, yeah. no, it didn't have to be Dojo, I don't think. Yeah. Are we okay transitioning into recommendations? Yes. Cause, Absolutely. Because actually I think there's a, a good conversation here around like... One, one of the things that I asked Duran... Because, Dave, did you see by yourself? Or did you see with Maddie? I saw by myself. Yeah. Because I'm interested in what non-late 20s into early 30s white dudes think about this. Yeah. So I can start with what Liz thought. Yeah. Um, Because you asked her this morning, Scott, and I sat there quietly. Yeah. Um, She thought it was great. Yeah. Which I was, as soon as we got out of the theater and I asked her what she thought and she said that she thought it was great, I was taken aback. Yeah. Because I, even without having digested it very much, was like, that was a film about men kind of like as a critique of men for yep. men. Yep. Um, and she loved it. Yeah. So I was talking to Gwen about this last night, and she asked what I thought a feminist would think about the film. Because I pointed out that, like, I think that it, it is not about women necessarily. It's about men and how men interact yeah. with the world. And I was like, I don't... I, I would argue that it's not a feminist film, but I think a feminist would watch it and say, like, yeah. Yeah. Like... Like yeah, like that's not really what we're trying to say, but like yeah, that I that's I, I think, agree with that. Right? Yeah, I think they would agree. Yeah, with all with the message behind it. Yeah, which I thought was interesting because I again I, like I agree. I think it's it's if I had to pick like who's this movie for, it's for dudes, and I think that honestly I think that men who watch it who aren't in that headspace around like being aware of masculinity and being aware of the potential toxicity of it. Uh, would watch this movie and be like, I don't, I don't understand what this is about. But I think that people who are already thinking about that and who are already aware of it, right? You, you're mentioning that like you were having these conversations around masculinity even in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that people who are already kind of keyed into that conversation, I think, are going to enjoy it because it's it's a it's a narrative in that space, right? It's a narrative in that in yeah. that context. I think there's a little a little fold that we're maybe overlooking in that sure. is the fact that I think that someone there's enough meat on the satirical bones for someone to enjoy that even if the message kind of falls on deaf ears. Yeah. yeah. Just with the nature of the the dialogue. Yeah, cuz I'm I'm just thinking for to we're about to say what our parents watch it and like I don't I don't think my mom would get it. Not that it's, like, beneath her, but I think that, like, she would just be, like... There, there's this thing around, like... In my mind, there's these layers of uh, allegory that they're trying to get at. And I think she would see the first one and just be, like... Okay. Like, yeah. And I don't think she would see it as anything more than just, like... Yeah, okay. Whatever. And I think my dad wouldn't really engage with it at all. And I don't think either of them would think the humor's funny. And, and I just... I, I think that's more of a... This is going to be a... Uh, unqualified statement but possibly a generational thing but like that's not really how they think about things yeah, yeah. Um, so my I think my mom would really enjoy it because yeah. she loves dark comedies okay who your dad like it no yeah I just he's not a fan like it's it'd just be people talking yeah which no offense to him oh no I, again like I recognize that there are certain films I don't like because of how they're presented and this one happens to be the way I like it right? yeah. and so I, I definitely see how some people would watch this and be like it's super dry it's super slow depressing yeah, yeah it's super slow right yeah. was it slow I guess it was but I didn't well I didn't feel that at all I would argue the only thing that prevents it from being slow is the dialogue yeah. and if you're not engaging with the dialogue yeah it's pretty slow yeah the whole time I was like this is yeah um my mom wouldn't give it the time of day yeah 
no thanks for her. Uh, dad would absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He would, he would think it. He would get a kick out of it. Um, he would, he would like how weird it was, uh, and he would like. He would be like. I think his one thing was like, man, it could have been a little bit more subtle in its message because it was very over the top, just with the nature of the dialogue being very over the top. Because mm-hmm. it was absolutely like hitting the, the reason the message of the movie is so clear is it hit it on the nose so squarely, with the way the dialogue was. Yeah. Well, particularly the sensei. Pretty, exactly. Think, yeah. Particularly yeah. the sensei. And I think the farther into the movie you got, the more, I don't want to say like blunt it was, but the more, it was almost. Uh, like a caricature of itself. Like you get to the point where the vet is talking to him, yeah, and he's like, yeah. "Well, it's it's pretty clear that he was punched to death, but the bruising pattern is consistent uh, with consistent that. with that of a foot." And it's like, no way would that statement ever be used in real life. So at that point, you're like, "This is just switched over into like full on like yeah. almost like a fantasy scene," yeah. which is why I think like. The film is very much from Casey's point of view. Yeah, I think it's really good. That's a, that's a really interesting way to put it, because everything, all of the dialogue is that way. All of it is that right, way. Even from the standpoint of like the very first scene when he gets beat up, and you know the first thing is they drive up and like, "Do you have a gun?" And when he's home, you hear the news broadcast, and the person's like, "Don't go out at night unless you have a gun." And yep. It's like, yeah, like that fits into that kind of yeah, almost that like cognitive. Uh, bias against like connecting and, and confirmation bias it's interesting that you have the the thought that it's just him processing his interaction with the world into that language because i would i'm okay if the movie is like this is the world it's set in and these are this reality's rules yeah. sure which is also intriguing to me but yeah, yeah. I, I think they're both interesting ways to, yeah. to put a lens on it yeah i'm getting back out there i'm interested in why why do you guys think the audience score is 70 i mean 70 is pretty good um, I think it's because it's because of how it's categorized. It's categorized as a drama. Even the trailer makes it seem like it's going to be funnier than it is. So I think like audience, because I think yeah. you can even rate movies before you see them from the sure, audience standpoint. Sure. So yeah, it was it was up pretty high, and yeah. then it got a wider and wider release. And as more people saw it, they were like, "This wasn't actually that funny." The ratings are interesting. I think the audience rating took a dive because people thought it was going to be a comedy. And it was pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Um, I still really liked it because I knew it was going to be a dark comedy. But even then, I, it was darker than I thought it was going to be. Uh, what next? Um, that's about it. I mean, we could do our other media recommendations. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Other stuff. Hmm. Do either of you have anything? Yeah, interesting. I do. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Why don't you go for it? Yeah. So uh, I work with a physicist who does a lot of work with NASA, and so on Tuesday which was the 50th anniversary of the launch of the Apollo 11 mission. Yesterday was the uh, 50th anniversary of the landing on the moon of the Apollo 11 mission. Anyway, on the launch day, uh, my colleague showed a film that NASA and CNN recently put out that just uses archival footage from NASA. That's the only film and the only audio is archival recordings of uh, the Apollo 11 mission. It's very good. Nice. From the standpoint of like, what happened, the process, yeah, all the stuff around it. Um, it's just a very cool film. It's called it's just called Apollo Eleven, I think. Um, Where can we find it? Um, CNN aired it a while ago. I would imagine that in the sh- near short term, it'll be on a streaming service. I don't know. Okay. Uh, my colleague had a Blu-ray, and we watched the Blu-ray. Oh wow, cool! Which is, 
I haven't watched a Blu-ray in a long time. Um, yeah, but it's good. Uh, I suggest it if you're at all interested. Yeah. And happy 50th anniversary to the Apollo mission. Yeah, happy 50th. Which is wild. Yeah, that's crazy. Guys. That also no one has been to the moon wild. since then. But, well, all right. Well, My recommendation is actually Netflix's documentary on Bob Lazar called Area 51 and Flying Saucers. Yep. Check it out. Okay. Um, so my other media, um, we're taking a weird turn here. It's There's <laughs> currently a world first race going on uh, uh, in World of Warcraft. A world uh, first race. What does that mean? World first race. So a so in World of Warcraft, supreme race. part of the game. <sighs> wow. God. Is it orcs or elves? In, or in World of Warcraft, orcist. They orcist. in each expansion they have tiers of content, and yes. with each tier of content, there is a new raid that yeah. people can do. And essentially, you're going in and you're killing bosses that get harder and harder as you like progress through the raid. So she said, "Sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> we can edit that down. That's yeah, fine. That's right. Very interesting. That's exciting. So, what's the expectation when they'll do the last?" Right? Like, is this like a thing that's So, I think as of like this morning, they have started working on the last boss. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to say. Yeah. All right. Uh, this has been Art of Self Defense. Three guys you now have heard of. You now have heard of. Uh, uh, special thanks to Kevin McLeod for letting us use uh, his fantastic music. Also, and, special and thanks to Gwen for doing our artwork. Oh, true. Yeah, you'll well know now that when you listen to this, you will have pulled it from our fantastic burgeoning website, mm-hmm. which has cool icons from Gwen. Yeah. Uh, follow. I mean, we're on. I'm not going to tell anyone to follow us. Do your own thing. But we are on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We have Podbean, Spotify, iTunes. Um, we have a subreddit. Not a big. T-G-Y-N-H-O Three guys you've never heard of If you just type that into Google you'll find us somewhere And then you can backtrack to all the other things Yeah As always guys Call your moms, eat your vegetables I said that backwards this week Deal with it Um but in reality, like if I was ever in a situation where there were physical altercations, <laughs> just just a moment. We had Marty join us. Marty, Marty, what are you doing up here? You're supposed to be downstairs. You're not in the logo, Marty. Get out of here. Yeah. This isn't three guys and a dog you never heard of. <laughs> Everyone's already heard of you. Hey, Gwen. Gwen, can you get Marty? Uh oh, he's cramping our style. He's he- pooping his- all over the f- place. His heavy breathing doesn't sound great. I thought the game was up. <laughs> what are you doing, bud? <laughs> you're, you're not a part of this. Oh, no. It's not three guys you don't know and... and yeah. And Yo, Marty. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, downstairs. He's like, I want to hang out. Yeah. No, downstairs. Sorry, Darren. I, you were... Yeah, doing so... Well. Um,